when I think about mission starts at home, I think about the opportunity that we still have to be able to live out our faith in practical ways. Um, I think about the opportunity that we have to to show love, to share joy, um, to share kindness, to be peace with others. Um, I think about you know this this idea, this this verse that talks about you know um, not just loving the Lord with all of your mind, your heart, and your soul, but also loving your neighbor as yourself and. And in these times where there is so much chaos and division happening all over the world, um, it's such a great reminder that our mission actually starts at home. Our mission of showing and sharing the love of Jesus Christ actually starts with the people that we have close to, to us. Um, and so I, ju I just want to encourage you today to be able to, to live out your faith in a practical way, to live out the fruits of the Holy Spirit living in you, to, to be joy, to be kindness, to be goodness, to be humility, to be self-control, um, and to be able to live out your faith wherever you are and whoever you come in contact with. Let's open our word of prayer. Father, we just... Um have heard from what's happening in BCE and just the amazing things that are going on there. And we thank you for Alex and Leah and their team. And I thank you, God, for the work that they are doing there. And I just pray, God, that you would um, just enable them to continue to serve, continue to um, just establish your kingdom and grow your kingdom. Father, thank you also for this chance that we have to be here like this, whether it's in the building here or online and just the song that we sang, I truly pray, God, that our hearts would uh, be in a place where we are saying we love you and that we're serving you and that we're willing to do uh, whatever it is that you've asked us to do. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I think those words from Janelli are so accurate. She said, our mission of showing and sharing the love of Jesus Christ actually starts with the people we have closest to us. And I think that that's uh, something that we would all agree to, but I also think that the people closest to us are often the ones that are easiest to overlook. We're going through this series called Mission Starts With, and then we started by looking at, uh, Pastor Jonathan looked at Mission Starts With You, Pastor Peter last week looked at Mission Starts With Generosity, and we're going to continue next week, we're going to look at, Pastor Quentin's going to be looking at how we actually, mission starts with our, within our own family, within our marriage, within our children. And so today I want to focus on the local community. And if you know me at all, you know that I have a deep heart for this local community, uh, for the people of Leamington and Wheatley and Kingsville. And so I, like I said, I think it's easy for us sometimes to overlook the people that are closest to us, the people that we are connected with on a regular basis. These might be our neighbors, these might be our co-workers, our teammates, our classmates, um, our local, you know, community people, the ones that we go to the grocery store with, the ones that we're at the hardware store with, the people that we bump into over and over. And I think sometimes we need to recognize that it is these people as well as all the ones around the world that need to hear and need to be shared 
the, the love of Jesus with, that we need to share the love of Jesus with. Let me read to you two passages of Scripture that many of you are probably going to be able to quote by heart. One of them is found in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Jesus is speaking. He says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And Jesus doesn't say, I hope you will be. I hope I want you to be. He says to his group of disciples, and he would say to you and I today, you will receive this power and you will be my witnesses. There wasn't an option here. And he names four locations, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Matthew records this exact same speech with the disciples right before Jesus' departure. In Matthew chapter 18, verses 19, this is probably the one that is known better. There Jesus says, therefore go and make disciples of all nations. And we'll just stop there. Go and make disciples of all nations. It's, it's this idea again of all nations, meaning obviously all nations. These two verses have probably been preached hundreds, maybe thousands, if not millions of times. Every single church in Leamington has heard a sermon on these verses at least once, if not once a year. The general takeaway from these verses is that we must go out and we need to share the gospel of Jesus in the world. And often by that, we think about the greater world. We think about overseas. We think about you know, places that maybe none of us have ever visited before. And obviously, we need to do that. We need to go to those places. But I want to today, for a moment, suggest to you and I that not all of us have been sent to go. And that's not an excuse for us to say, yes, the pastor told me I didn't. If God's nudging you to go, you need to go. But I think the reality is that we understand that not all of us have been called to go to a place like Papua New Guinea or someplace like that. Now the question obviously then is, does that mean that we're off the hook? That this calling by Jesus then is no longer applicable to us. We don't need to listen to it because after all, we haven't been called to go into the greater parts of the world. So does that mean that we are off the hook? The answer is an obvious no. We must be about the mission of Jesus wherever we are. I want to read to you a quote that I think is fascinating. It's by Scott um, Sunquist, And he wrote this amazing book called Understanding Christian Mission. And he says this. It has been said that the church is the only institution whose sole existence is for its non-members. That is true on two levels. The church exists to honor and praise God alone. And the church exists to proclaim and show the saving work of God to all who, all who live. To every tongue and tribe and nation. This naturally includes then our local community, that we exist for two reasons. We exist to worship God and we exist to continue to proclaim the message of Jesus. The church, in some sense, does not exist just for this. This is wonderful, but this is not really what the church is about. If this becomes all that the church is, gathering on Sunday morning, taking care of its own, that's called a social club. The church is outward focused. And you've heard me preach on this many times, that we need to be a church for non-church people. That's actually what church is. 
It's always about reaching those who do not yet know. The reality is this, that most of us would find it easier to share the gospel of Jesus with those who are not within our own context or those who are not within our local community. Many of us have found it easier to share the gospel somewhere else than in our own home space. So I want to read to you today um, a passage that I think illustrates to us well why it is so important for us to minister to the people in our own community and at the same time how it might be difficult. So if you have your Bibles or the YouVersion app, you know, go to the, the slides there. Matthew chapter 9, verses 9. This is an interesting encounter that Jesus has with a tax collector. Matthew chapter 9, verse 9. As Jesus went from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. Now let me tell you a little bit about Matthew and a little bit about the place where Matthew lived. Matthew was a tax collector and his hometown was Capernaum. Capernaum is located in lower Galilee along the Sea of Galilee. The summers are hot and humid and the winters are warm and wet. Fishing is the main economic industry at that time. It was located on the international route from Egypt to Syria and beyond. And so Capernaum would have been very familiar with these caravans coming through as they passed, you know, into the world and into the greater community. Capernaum was one of the major cities of Galilee in Jesus' time. The Bible mentions Capernaum 16 times, all of the times in the, gospel, in the Gospels. Capernaum had no defensive walls. It had no civil building. The synagogue was possibly its only public building, and Maria and I had the privilege of visiting that place. Now, how many people lived in Capernaum is debated. Some say as few as 600. Some say, you know, as, as many as a few thousand. No one really knows. The Romans, they placed a garrison, meaning a, a group of, uh, of troops in the city, and naturally they set up tax collectors' booths. And Matthew was one of the tax collectors. He would have been hated by his fellow Jews. He would have been seen as a traitor. Capernaum was a lower class community. There is no evidence anywhere in the city that there were any large homes. Capernaum was, you know, a lower class community. Everyone was fairly poor. Meaning then that Matthew was collecting taxes from the poor and handing it over to the Jewish oppressors, the Romans. And Matthew would have been seen as a traitor, and he would have been hated. And we know that Jesus spends considerable amount of time in Capernaum. And that it was also the home for James and John. It was also the home for Peter and Andrew, who were fishermen. And these men would have likely known Matthew, and more likely would have hated him. Think about it. As a fisherman, you work all day, you make your money, or you catch your fish, you sell your fish, you make your money, and then you've got to go give a chunk of it over to Matthew, the tax collector, who then gives it to your oppressors, the Romans. And now, here they are, all of them, called to be Jesus followers, to be Jesus' disciples in that hometown in that community. My assumption would be this, if Matthew was alive today, and if he knew everything, if he was on social media, 
And if he, you know, understood the context, which I'm guessing he would have at that time, if there ever was a person who would have rather wanted to be a missionary somewhere else, it would have been Matthew. Matthew would have probably been like, I will gladly follow you, Jesus. I will gladly share the good news with you, of, you know, your good news to people. But let me get out of Capernaum because everyone in this city hates my guts. Now, what we see here is that Jesus has this interesting encounter with Matthew and with others. Look at what Jesus says, or look what happens in verse 10. Matthew chapter 9, verse 10. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? We'll pause there for a second. Now from this text, and what we just read in verse 10 and 11, it would appear that Matthew drew a crowd. Matthew drew some people to his home. A crowd of fellow tax collectors and sinners. Matthew not only was an outcast in his own right, he actually drew those kind of people to himself. So where Matthew went, tax collectors and sinners seemed to go with. The Pharisees, they did what Pharisees do. They pointed out the gathering of tax collectors and sinners to Jesus' disciples, and they demanded to know from the disciples, why would Jesus spend time with such spiritual and social outcasts? And after all, everyone in the local community knew who the sinners, who the outcasts were, who the tax collectors were, and these were the individuals that the local community would have known not to associate with. And what is interesting to note, obviously, is that Matthew, and you may not, maybe you know this, but Matthew is the writer of the Gospel of Matthew. This very tax collector is the one who wrote the Gospel of Matthew. So what's happening here is Matthew is actually writing about his own experience, about what happened to himself. And I want you to listen carefully to how he recorded what Jesus says to these Pharisees in response to this question, why would, you be with these, why would he be with these people? Look at what Jesus says, verse 12. On hearing this, Jesus said, and you know these verses, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have come not to call the righteous, but the sinners. You've heard this before. So Jesus is saying to the Pharisees, and I think Jesus would say to us today, go and figure out what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Again, these are verses, like I said, many of us have heard many times. But Jesus came, and we know this, Jesus came to call sinners, those who are lost, and to bring salvation to all people. Now think about for a moment what this must have meant for Matthew. All of us need salvation, but I think for a person like Matthew, and maybe for a person like yourself, if you're a person who's been really caught up in sin, and I know everyone needs salvation. Every, like We get that. But there are some of us, maybe here today, we've really dug in and we indulged in sin. And Matthew would be one of those people. He would have had to sell his land, his right, 
to being a Jewish person to receive the inheritance in order to afford the office of a tax collector. He betrayed his people. He sold pieces of the promised land so that he could collect taxes from his own people to give to the Romans. In the eyes of the, uh, the Jewish people at that time, you really could not do more wrong than that. So maybe you're one of these people here today. You've done something. You are indulging in sin. So listen to what this means for Matthew. Because I think this has double meaning for Matthew, what Jesus just said there. First, he recognizes. And he writes and he recognizes he is one of those who was sick and needed healing. It starts with that. And we begin by recognizing, I need healing. I was the one sick. I was the one who was an outcast. And I needed salvation. I needed healing. The second thing that obviously Matthew recognizes is that he now needed to be the one who brought healing to others who were sick. Matthew wrote that in such a way that is clearly recognizes that he sees himself but he also sees an obligation now to go into his community. The Pharisees, they had no intention of saving people. They had no intention of bringing healing to anyone. Their job was to condemn. That's all they wanted to do. All they wanted to do was throw condemnation to anyone who did not fit the mold that they thought they needed to have. Jesus saw the sick, saw the sinners, and instead of condemning them from a distance, he went to save them. Capernaum, by the way, was also Jesus' hometown. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 13, we read that Jesus lived in Capernaum. He moved there specifically. This was his hometown. Jesus loved his local community. And he wanted his disciples to see the sick and the lost, not only in the larger parts of the world, not only in the other places of the world, but Jesus showed by his lifestyle that he went to his own hometown, found those in his local community and said, follow me. I want to bring healing to you. I want to save you. I want to rescue you. And clearly, that is expected of followers of Jesus to this day. He wanted them to have a love for those he wanted. Jesus also wanted his disciples to have a love for those in their local community who did not yet have a relationship with Jesus. So I want to walk us now through six questions that I would like you to ask yourself of this local community that we live in. It might be under the umbrella of how well do you know Leamington? If you live in Wheatley, how well do you know Wheatley? If you live in Kingsville or Essex or some of you come from Windsor or Chatham, how well do you know the places that you live? So let's consider how we do missions in our local community as a church and as individuals. Again, I'm using a book by um, Scott Sunquist. And this is, I think, these are six great questions that we can ask of our local uh, community to better understand how we are going to reach those people. We would never consider ourselves to go and to do something without doing some research before we do it. And so these questions kind of guide us in that and saying, let's understand the community. Let's understand our local community. So I would encourage you to write these down and then answer these for yourself later on. Maybe at home this would be great conversation around dinner time. So the first question is this. The first question helps us 
to see the local community. And the question is this. How can we understand our local missional, missional context? That's question number one. How can we understand our local, local missional context? You would never send a missionary overseas into a community, into a country without understanding the local context. You would want to know things about where you're sending them. If you're sending them to Papua New Guinea, you would want to know about the different languages and about the culture and about the climate and about the, you know, all kinds of things. So we must do the same in our local community. We cannot assume that just because we live here that we know what's going on. Because most of us have isolated ourselves into our own safe local places. And there's a broader local community that many of us may know nothing about. So here's just some things that we may want to know about Leamington. The ethnic patterns. What group live here and what areas do they live in? Where do they live? Age patterns. What's the age, average age of people in Leamington? The economic status of various groups. Communication and uh, transportation lines or the limitations. What's the education level? The major institutions in the area. The economic patterns, manufacturing, service industries, etc. What exists in Leamington? And then, of course, you have the religious beliefs and memberships. These are just some of the things that we will need to know in order to better understand where people are at in Leamington. One of the best ways to do this is to ask questions. The other thing that you can do is walk through your neighborhood. Walk through your neighborhood. Stop at local stores, at local restaurants. Now, I want to be careful. I am not slamming the big box stores, but I would say to you, shop local. Meet with the local people, the little, you know, marketplaces, the small little super, you know, not super, I just named one. Um, the small little, you know, what are they called? Grocery stores. There's a bunch of them all over town. Go buy stuff from them. Get to know the local community. Take a bus ride. Yes, Leamington has a bus. Some of you are like, serious? Yes, we have a bus. Get on that thing. It just does a loop. You can just sit there for a while, and it will drop you right off where you started. It's amazing. Okay? Ride a cab. Rent a cab. You know, go boot around. They'll tell you places. They know all the places. Trust me. Don't avoid certain parts of town. So when you go for your walk, don't be like, oh, I'm not going down there because it's not whatever. Take a gentle bike ride through parts of town where you've never been. Get your map out, Google Maps, whatever you want. Get your map out, find places and say, I've never been here. Don't just drive through it, walk through it, drive through it. You're going to see parts of Leamington you've never seen before. Go to a local area park. Spend some time in that park. Did you know that Leamington has around 10 small playground parks? And most of them are actually quite beautiful. Go to those parks because that's going to be a way for you to actually connect with the very people in that area, in that neighborhood, because they bring their kids there to play, and you're going to have a chance to see the people that live in that community. Second question you want to ask, who are the immigrant groups in our social context? Where are they from? And what does their social profile look like? I want to say this, the world has come to our door. And I love it. I love the fact that I can go to certain stores during the week and I don't know if I'm in Canada or in you know, Latin America or in one of the you know, islands because of who's there. And I love it. 
And so it's important for us to recognize who are these people and to understand them. So we must learn to know and understand our new neighbors. I want to say this very carefully. But you cannot love someone you do not know. You cannot truly love someone if you don't know them. And we have been called by God to love our neighbors. Meaning we must get to know our neighbors. Question number three. Where are the poorest and neediest in our midst? You don't need to answer this out loud, but could you tell me right now, where are the poorest people located in Leamington? Because there is a neighborhood where they gather. Where are the low-income homes in Leamington? We need to know these things. Not to judge, but we need to understand the needs and where, where they are. Jesus never avoided those in need. As a matter of fact, he often specifically planned his journey so that he could bump into them. And if Jesus did this, if this was how Jesus interacted with the, the local community, then clearly we must do the same. The early Christians were known for taking care of the poor, the widows, and the orphans. They were known to be pro-life for everyone in the community. Look at the life of Basil the Great. And if you've never heard of this guy, look him up. He worked tirelessly in Cappadocia. And by the time he was done, that area was known as the city of hospitality. That's how much one person can change a community. Number four, are there events and institutions that need to be established in order to meet the needs and serve the community? We don't start here. We don't immediately just say, well, what don't we have? And let's, you know, first we need to understand. But we may discover as we get to understand our community that there are some things missing that we need in order to meet the needs that are in our community. Then we must work to establish to meet those needs. I would use the bridge as an example. The bridge was created to meet a need that, the, that was recognized within the community. Breakfast programs at the school are another ones that, that were created so that a need could be met. This winter, due to the growing homelessness in Leamington, we may need to consider creating warm stations where people who literally do not have a place to go warm up. Housing is a, is a major crisis in Leamington. And it may all seem overwhelming, but we cannot just turn our back and say, it's too big, can't do it. So as a church and as individuals, we need to look at the needs in our community and say, is there something we could create if nothing is there for them? Is there something we can create in order to meet the needs of these people? Question number five. To what degree can the local church cooperate with people of other faiths in local missions and social ministry? This is a touchy one. This question may make us a little uncomfortable, but we must remember, and I say this not with caution, but with clarity. We must remember that Christians are not the only ones who care about people. So we must be careful not to compromise on what we believe. But there are many areas where we are not in danger of compromising by working with other local community groups. And we must be willing to do so in order to meet the needs in our community. Number six, what is the role then of laity in mission? Church mission is often seen as what pastors and clergy do. But we must understand that we all play a role in this. 
it is easy for us to get that most of the evangelism in the world, most of the translations of the Bible, most of the work for justice, and most of the care for the poor has been done by lay people, not by clergy. Mission is something all of us have been called to do, not only those who have been called to, you know, the ministry or, or to be paid for it. It is something that all of us have been called to do. Sunquest says this, it is far too easy to see mission as a professional occupation rather than as a high and holy vocation to which God has called all of his children. So I want to remind us again of what Janelli said. She says that mission starts with people that we have closest to us. Mission starts with the people that we have closest to us. So I invite you for a moment today. As we think about mission starts at home, and you might be thinking, well, I don't, I don't want to go to a different country. I'm not sure I'm ready to move. What could you do today? What could you do in this community? And it starts by understanding the place you live. And if there are certain areas that you will not go to because of whatever reason, I want to encourage you to go there because what you're going to find is that every area of town has people who are incredibly precious. Some of my people that I love the most are the ones that live in my neighborhood that most people would want nothing to do with. When these people come over, they get in your face, they drop words that I could never say here, but they're genuine, and when they're mad, you know they're mad. But man, we have often met as neighbors in our community, and we care for one another. We look after each other's homes. We look after each other's, you know, families. And when there's a need in our community, the neighbors get together, and many of them are individuals who have a deep, deep love for one another. And these are people that we need to not shy away from. These are people that we must connect with. So let's get to know our neighbors. Let's understand the needs around us, and let's be open to allowing God to use us to meet the needs and to share the gospel of Jesus by loving those in our local community. Let's pray. Oh God, I pray. These are not just words that are like, yep, 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 okay, good, thank you, service is over, I'm going home now. God, I actually pray that most of us here today will take a different route home. We'll drive into neighborhoods we've never been before we go home and have our meal. God, I pray, break our hearts for Leamington. There's so many who do not know you, Jesus. And they're not even interested about faith right now because they don't even know where to stay. They don't know what to eat. Their families are broken. So God, use us in any way to work in their lives so that their hearts would be open to hearing more than just about their physical needs, but that also would open their hearts to hearing about their spiritual need and that they would give their lives to you, Jesus. God, you, Jesus, you are the one. Holy Spirit, you are the one who has always been able to draw people to yourself. 
So we now believe that you can do that in Leamington, and we ask that you would use us as vessels. We make ourselves available to you to be used by you to care for the needs, but also to bring the gospel, to bring the love of Jesus, to shine the light of Jesus into our local community, our neighborhoods, to the people who live next door to us. This will need to be done intentionally. So I pray for every person here that whatever excuse they come up with, you argue it away. And that we would today go and find our neighbors, meet our neighbors, know our neighbors, love our neighbors, and share you with our neighbors. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I say to you, go now. Okay? Go and have a great rest of the day.